Hello, everyone, and welcome to Opportunities, EU Industry Day's podcast, presenting trends and challenges, but also different opportunities that the industrial transformation brings for European companies. Thank you, everyone, for taking part today. In this episode, we go beyond the EU, quite literally, as we travel to Asia to get the outside perspective on Europe's bid to foster globally competitive businesses and markets. We're pleased to be speaking with Philippe de Taxi de Poet, who, on behalf of the European Commission, supports European businesses wanting to do business in Japan. Right, so I am the uh, general uh, manager of the EU-Japan Center for Industrial Cooperation, which is, as you Uh, just said, uh, an initiative taken by the European Commission. We caught up with Chris Humphrey from the EU ASEAN Business Council. Good afternoon to you. I'm I'm here in Singapore in Southeast Asia. I'm the executive director of the EU ASEAN. We speak with Marta Sanna, director of an Italian SME, Smart Import. Smart Import is a small uh, company. It's a company that uh, helps uh, small companies in uh, the food and uh, beverage industry in Sardinia to export abroad. We also have with us Renzo Isla, head of the EU SME Centre in Beijing. The objective, of course, is to uh, promote and develop uh, the uh, European small-medium enterprises uh, openings in China. And finally, we also have with us Nela Cornelius, Executive Director of Eurosham Singapore. The European Chamber here in Singapore uh, is basically a platform to represent the voices of the European companies and basically the companies that are already based in Singapore. Okay, thank you very much. From the episode title, what does going beyond the EU mean to you? Going beyond Europe means here a growth of your market Access also to talent uh, for Singapore. Uh, it can be also a competitive advantage uh, because you might enter markets where your competitors uh, are not yet there. So it, it gives you the benefit of being the first. Anything to add, Marta? As members of the European Union, every country has still uh, huge opportunities in the in foreign markets, especially in, in Asia because uh, we are diverse and each country and each region has its uh, own peculiarities. But at the same time, we have common regulation, we have uh, common technology, and especially, I can say, we have a huge uh, negotiation strength. What do you think, Philip? There are plenty of opportunities when you go outside Europe. You have, uh, of course, uh, access to markets, uh, big markets or fast-growing markets. You have access to uh, innovation or different ways or different sort of, uh, of technologies. You have access to public procurement opportunities. You have access to partnership with other businesses so that you can uh, build on the complementarity and the synergies. So plenty of opportunities. And in particular, of course, regarding Japan, the uh, uh, fact that we have uh, uh, an economic partnership agreement, uh, an FTA, free trade agreement, and of course it opens door, it facilitates uh, access to market uh, to uh, the European uh, companies and in particular to the European SMEs. What do you think, Chris? And it really does depend what country you're looking at, what those opportunities might be. A place like a Vietnam is, is a huge growth area for European investments coming in. It's got a large domestic market itself, and it's a great place to manufacture things from for export out as well. Uh, similarly, 
Indonesia is a, is a huge country with a huge uh, demand and growing consumer class, 250 million people, and it still represents a huge market. So there is an abundance of opportunities in Southeast Asia for European businesses. In terms of the business opportunities for European businesses, as I mentioned, ICT, digital, anything in the healthcare space as well, uh, particularly new health systems, digital health areas, there's a great deal of opportunity there. And in Southeast Asia, anything connected with moving to a low carbon, zero carbon um, environment. So energy transition, energy efficiency work, in fact, is a big, huge growth area for European industry. And it's an area where Europe has a really good set of businesses who can come here and they can help the region and they can develop further. For us at the Council, a lot of our work we focus on trying to ease the barriers to entry for European businesses coming into the region and helping the ones that are already here continue to grow and invest more. And a lot of that is, of course, tackling regulation. And on the digital side, it's around making sure that things like data flows can happen across borders, which are very, very important. And the, the ecosystem in place is good and easy to use and as far as possible aligned to what we already have in Europe. Renzo, what do you think? Uh, you know, China is one of the few economies that experienced some growth in 2020. I mean, recently, we we, we, we saw the, the GDP growth at 2.3%, which is uh, probably the only large economy in the world uh, that has uh, uh, witnessed uh, growth in 2020. And, and this is a trend, of course, is expected to pick up even more speed in 2021. Numbers uh, range in the, in, in the area of the seven between seven and eight percent, depending on whom you're talking to. Um, so, uh, given these numbers and projection, uh, the Chinese market is set to become increasingly attractive for companies in general. Uh, this is where money continues to be spent. Uh, the reaction of the public, the people, uh, the citizens, it is uh, very vibrant. Uh, walking around Beijing, Shanghai, you can feel that uh, the, 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 the life is back in the everyday moment of, of the people. Um, if you take away the fact of wearing masks and, and, and carrying apps with you all the time to be, to, be, uh, to be accounted for wherever you go, but the things are moving up. And at the same time, um, I would say the SMEs must be well prepared because uh, though attracted the Chinese market is, for sure, it's not an easy one to enter, nor to profit from. Okay, thank you. What do you think the typical challenges European companies might face doing business in Asia and obviously uh, in particular Singapore? Singapore is a little bit a safe haven, mainly because it, the culture comes very close to what you see in Europe. It's an open economy. Uh, it's, it's very transparent. It's very stable. Um, but on the other hand, it comes also with uh, yeah, some challenges in uh, getting the right people in. That exactly skills that they need are not always uh, treated um uh, educated here in the in the universities, so um, a talent gap is definitely an issue. What makes that some of the positions stay open for six or longer months? So, Philip, would you like to add to that? There is always two things that we say to the European businesses coming to Japan, uh, and those are 
some, let's say, challenges, but also it's a different way of doing things. One is that it takes time. It takes not a few months, uh, it takes years. Uh, and uh, if you are not ready to uh, invest in this, uh, in this period of time, uh, then uh, it will be very difficult. Why it takes a long time? Because of the second difficulty, because most of the time in Japan, before talking business, you have to build a personal uh, relationship with the, uh, your potential partner. You have to build uh, trust uh, before talking uh, technology or access to market or business uh, matchmaking. And this uh, trust building uh, is very important in Japan. So that's for me the two main challenges uh, when uh, dealing with Japan. Anything to add, Renzo? Uh, so, from my point of view, uh, the top challenge uh, which uh, European SMEs face when looking into uh, entering the Chinese market is generally lack of knowledge, the lack of preparation uh, for the Chinese market. Uh, having a clear picture of the basics, uh, such as how to best develop your business in China, uh, the legal framework you have to work with, uh, what the standards are required for your product, and how to protect your uh, intellectual property is what can separate a business from succeeding to failing. Yes, so, so Marta, what would you say about that? Of course, uh, there are also some like uh, technical challenges, very important. The logistic, for example, is, uh, uh, is a challenge. It can be very tricky. And uh, sometimes also the bureaucracy and the regulations. Even though, as you, we maybe can see uh, after, uh, for the regulation, the EU has done uh, a lot to, to support uh, to support small companies. Nella, what do you think? ASEAN on its own is a very diverse region. We have a lot of different jurisdictions, uh, a lot of uh, different political landscapes. There is a lack of uh, harmonization of standards in a, in a lot of industries. So that's a little bit a challenge. It's, it's a bit hard to understand the different countries and to understand their different cultures and to penetrate successfully the market. So that's a challenge for the region. So Chris, is that something you've also thought about? Well, I think if you're moving into a new market, particularly in this part of the world, you need to understand the cultural differences and there are cultural differences. Mm. Having a bit of language skill or at least a local partner who can help you navigate through language problems would also be a, a very good idea at the same time. Uh, there's, as I said, there's no substitute for doing your homework on the market sizes, gauging what some of the regulations are you may need to comply with. And there are plenty of organizations out here, European organizations, that can help with that. What sort of support exists to capture these opportunities and, and yeah, how does one get it? Our recommendation, my recommendation would be for European business going to China and looking for support is to start at home. There are uh, member states uh, may have joint initiatives with China or their trade promotion agencies may provide mechanisms uh, to support the interna internationalization of European businesses. Uh, at the same time, at the European Union level, there are multiple initiatives to, to help European SMEs enter the Chinese market from uh, the EU SME Center, the one that I lead, uh, and then you have the IPR SME Help Desk, 
uh, then we, you have the Enterprise Europe Network to the portal access to markets and to the European Strategic Cluster Partnership. So these, all these are activities, uh, agencies that uh, follow, uh, that are acting uh, within the scope of the European Union, the European Commission, and uh, they, each one of them are placed uh, in, the, in, the, in the market here in China. So uh, these are all there to uh, able to help uh, any US, uh, USME company that wants to enter the market. And what about you, Marta? What do you think about that? I have to say that uh, I got a lot of support from the EU and the European Fund, but uh, maybe don't, don't use just the EU as a source of financing only, because uh, of course uh, finance is very important to help uh, small companies, but I think that a great opportunity is the possibility to network with other European companies, uh, similar, complementary, and join to execute a common strategy. For example, like uh, I am doing li uh, now with uh, um, a group of other European uh, company, we are um, making this uh, project for uh, Foodex, which is a trade sale in food, and we are going together uh, as a group of European company. It's important to create a relationship and to imitate uh, best practices all over Europe. Chris? Uh, I would say there's probably not enough support. There, there are programs like the EU Avenues program designed to help certain business sectors. Um, I would say there's not enough support. What we really do need is a lot more in the way of trade agreements with Southeast Asia to help open up markets and try and cut away some of that red tape. Um, but there is support there. The European Chambers of Commerce region, there's nine in Southeast Asia, provide a lot of support for European businesses as to like, the German and the French channel. So there are support networks there that can be leaned upon in terms of direct aid support. Uh, perhaps a lot more could be done. And how about you, Philip? Well, what we are what we are doing is uh, also something regarding public procurement. So th this is uh, this is a sector in Japan which is not the most open one. It's a bit of an understatement, <laughs> and uh, it's part of the EPA. So what we are trying to to do is to highlight the opportunities, the tenders possible in Japan, uh, the public procurement at the national level or local level, so that the European companies could uh, step in and respond to the tenders. So that's an important aspect because uh, public procurement, you know, it's a big part of the GDP in, in Japan or, and also in, the, in Europe. So we are translating, guiding, highlighting the, 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 the tenders, which are the most uh, interesting for the uh, for the European businesses. Is there anything else you'd like uh, listeners to take home? The important thing is that, uh, uh, as I said before, the European Union is allocating a considerable amount of funds to help SMEs of all sectors. Uh, so these funds are run by specialized units, uh, which in most cases have been localized already for many years. And the people on the field are experts and have multiple years experience. Competence and trust is what drives these units and people. So uh, believe in them, trust them, use them as your entry guidelines, guidelines and, and, and your, your, your entry angels, if you wish, uh, because uh, um, this is the purpose of why we're here. 
And, and this is uh, also what the European Commission has commissioned us to do uh, over the next years. What do you think, Chris? Maybe look for a good local partner who can guide you where the best places are to set up and help you navigate through any rules you need to abide by. Can someone else share their views or expand on this? Renzo, what do you think? Remember, don't think in a silo and don't go solo. Don't think in a silo because you have to widen your vision, you have to open communication channels, you have to understand successes and failures of peers. And don't go solo. Uh, so try to rely on the trusted professionals. Uh, the EU puts at disposal a wealth of knowledge and experience, which in many cases are good to be remembered also. It's also free. And what about you, Marta? Is there anything else you want to say about that? Uh, yes, uh, I think uh, that uh, companies uh, uh, don't ha have to be like a skeptical about uh, access to EU funds uh, and calls because they are accessible even for small business in small territories. And Philip? It's easier to come together with other SMEs in a group, in a network, than to come to Japan uh, in a, in an isolated way. So uh, that's also something that we encourage uh, because uh, uh, we do have in Europe plenty of uh, networks, plenty of initiatives uh, gathering together uh, SMEs. So we are trying to mobilize those, uh, those initiatives like uh, Enterprise Europe Network or the European Cluster Collaboration Platform or the Research and Innovation uh, Network so that we project them, we use them <laughs> Uh, with uh, Japan because together, together, it's easier than uh, alone. <laughs> Nella, what do you think? Well, I think that, uh, again, keep in mind that for a lot of European companies, Singapore is already a home, is already a hub for the region. And that could be another good exercise. Uh, if, if you are a small uh, uh, SME uh, company or if you are a startup, uh, these companies can also leverage you up. So you basically have already a hook with these European companies. And I just can name a few like Unilever has their headquarters here. Uh, Airbus has the biggest training center of the world here. Uh, GSK opened uh, their new regional headquarters. I can go on and on. The, the list is very long. So that's another thing. Do your homework. See what's European companies are already here, connect with them. And again, the other exercise you should be doing is looking at the agenda of Singapore. And I think then you have a very solid ground, a starting platform to make your move to, uh, to Singapore or to the region here in ASEAN. Thank you everyone for your contributions. You've really given listeners a lot to think about today. Thank you very much to you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your, for your time. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. That's it for this episode of Opportunities Podcast. Be sure to check out more in the series and feel free to like, share and share how much you care about this each This podcast topic. series is an initiative of the European Commission and is part of the EU Industry Days 2021, Europe's flagship annual event on industry, taking place from the 23rd to the 26th of February 2021. For more information on the EU Industry Days 2021, visit the website euindustrydays.eu. This podcast was produced by VO with the financial support of the European Union.
Its contents do not necessarily reflect the views of the EU. 